in the words of a former professor of mine, welcome back, my beloved, dear <laughs> uh, friends or, or family, people that I haven't met yet, uh, welcome back. This is episode 36, and this is The One on Listening. Uh, this is going to be a fun one, and in fact, I hope that this will be the start of a, a short series where I try to pass on some information, some wisdom, some things that I have learned. And obviously, uh, this one's on listening. This one has to do with uh, those conversations that you have. I uh, just got back from dinner out with a friend for four hours. We just caught up over beers and nachos and just caught up and it was a good time and I have to say I did use some of these things I'm about to share so let me give you a little background in the past couple weeks and months I've had a few conversations with people where they ask how do you do what you do and uh it kind of started over the summer. I had the opportunity to go on a trip with some high schoolers. And one evening, just in the midst of everything, just listened to each one of them and then gave a response to each one of them that, man, just hit home for some of them. And they were all amazed at how I was able to speak into their lives. But really, there's no... There's no fancy abilities of mine. These are just some tips and some tricks that I've learned along the way that I'm just going to try to pass on to you right now. So a couple of years ago, I used to be a, a chaplain at a hospital just south of Philly, and it was an incredible time, but I, I learned a lot, especially about how to listen to people. And in the midst of all of those conversations and debriefings on chaplain visits, I was really humbled by the fact that for a very long time, I had very little ability to listen to other people well. And so this one goes to you. And so this one's called The One on Listening. So if you are a parent, a person with friends, if you have family members that you want to be close with, if you are a teacher or somebody that spends time giving talks or a counselor in training, ultimately if you're a person that has interactions with anyone, uh, hopefully you'll find this helpful. So without further ado, let's dive on in. So there are times when I have had the opportunity to sit and talk and maybe I'll have the chance to hear someone's stories or if I get the chance to talk to people about how their day is going. All of these are perfect examples of when to use some of these little tips that I've gathered over the years. And in all honesty, if you have had a conversation with me in the past five years, I have probably, um, 
I've probably used some of these tips, some of these little tricks. And if I'm in a good frame, I'll remember to do them. So I'm not saying I'm perfect, but in all honesty, once I started doing some of these things, I noticed uh, an increase in the quality of conversations that I would have with, with even people that I've, I've only known for a couple weeks. And uh, it certainly can help families and it certainly can help classroom conversations or, or conversations at the community center or the church. So here we go. Uh, let's start with talking about information. So what do I mean by that? Anytime you have a conversation with someone, there are really only three types of information. And we're going to go through them. The first is called free information. So let's say you're having a conversation, talking with a friend, and you're talking about <laughs> pumpkin spice lattes and you're at Starbucks. And then they randomly bring up their grandmother. Uh, you didn't necessarily ask about their grandmother, but they brought it up. That is what we call free information. That is... <clears throat> uh, it's, it's always an invitation to further dialogue. You didn't ask about their grandmother, but they had to bring it up because clearly that's something that they need to work out a little bit more. And so you, as a listener, if you catch that moment, you can say, oh, yeah, can you tell me more about your grandmother? And in the midst of that, you can help them process or get through some anxieties or stress that they might have. The next type of information, though, is known as distorted information. And let's say you're having a conversation with a coworker, and <laughs> you hear them say at some point, no one likes me. Well, there you go. Anytime that there is a reference to everyone or no one or everything or nothing, those absolutes, that is what we like to call distorted information. These are instances where someone, their experience of life says that no one likes them. And so you as the active listener can maybe step in and say, yeah, but I'm pretty sure your mom likes you. And, and I kind of like you too. I think you're a good person. It's another thing to be one of those uh, listeners in someone else's life to help them back away from these absolute statements, help people to see that maybe their view of reality just doesn't quite match up. For instance, someone else might say, nothing is ever going right for me. Well, Sure, maybe their experience of life right now says nothing is going right, but hey, you got both shoes on right. You have your right foot on in your right shoe and you have your left shoe on your left foot. You got something right there. There's uh, every so often, we each need somebody to help be checks and balances to make sure that we are looking at life the right way.
Now, this last type of information is, is quote, <laughs> it's called deleted information. Now, deleted means, let's say uh, you have a cousin who talks about their uncle Roger, their mom Deborah, I don't know, and then says something about their sibling, but they left their sibling's name out. That for you as the active listener should maybe cue you in that there's some deleted information. The sibling's name was left out. And so if you're paying attention in those moments, you can say, hey, so tell me a little bit about your brother or sister that you left out right there. Now, maybe you don't want to say that part at the end, but tell me more about your sibling. Because the fact that they left the name out should be a cue to you that there is a, a strained relationship there, that there is something that is off kilter where they don't even want to say the name out loud. Now, it may be something small or it could be something large. But the fact is, you may be working with someone who has never mentioned the fact that they have a son or a daughter. Well, if they never bring it up, there might be something there for you as a person to care for them and to maybe, maybe invite them into a space where they can maybe talk about this frustrated relationship that they have. Now, sometimes you might be around uh, people when, let's say you're at the racetrack and you're doing laps around uh, the track field and someone else is there reading a book and all of a sudden they, they start talking about their book that they have and they're absolutely enthralled by it. Whenever we are around other people and they freely or maybe overtly, whatever, start talking about their favorite book or how a movie that's out right now is the best movie they've ever seen, that's another signal, that's another tip that there's something going on there that can, that can help you understand them as a person. So... <laughs> a couple of years ago, there were the Divergent movies, and these are a perfect example. Uh, I want to say the first one is called Divergent, and the lead character is in a society where they are given different classes within their society, different roles. Some are meant to be farmers, some are meant to be scientists, some are meant to be other things. But the main character breaks the computer and the computer doesn't know what to classify them. And at the time, this was a movie that came out for teenagers, but it was fascinating for me to pay attention to who latched on to those movies. Because on some level, the stories that we are attracted to somewhat tell our own story for us. It's just to identify it through a movie or through a book or a TV show or a song is somewhat, a little, somewhat safer. 
So I knew of a few teenagers that those movies stood out for them and they loved those movies so much. But since I knew the major theme of that movie, I knew, oh, is there a part of you that feels like you were given a title that doesn't fit you? Is there a part of you that feels like you break the system that wants to give you a title or a class or an area and they want you to stay in there? And you would be surprised how many teenagers, the ones that at least enjoyed that movie, said, yeah, that's great. I really think the same way. I'm not a jock, but I'm also not a nerd. Somehow I'm both. Because in today's world, you can be athletic and into computers. And that wasn't always the case. Am I right? So pay attention when someone says they have a favorite book series, a favorite movie series. If they're even listening to a certain song on repeat over and over and over again, ask them, what about this song do you really like? Because on some level, the stories that we read, the movies that we watch, the music that we listen to, these are all resonating a theme that we are going through in that moment. So I would just encourage, pay attention when someone invites you into their favorite stories. Because on some level, they see themselves in those stories as well. Now, in the midst of all of this, there's also a kind of a gamble that you might have to do. If you are sitting over breakfast and having a conversation with someone, and through careful observation, you stop and you say to yourself, their body language is very closed off. They're crossing their arms. They are kind of hunched over. They're not really looking people in the eye. Their speech is not loud. They're not talking fast. They're not using high-pitched voice. They're not using vocabulary that's particularly happy. Reading all of that data, I understand that sounds odd, but I'm getting to a point. Every so often, sometimes we need to help identify feelings for other people. So in some some instances, you might stop and say, hey, I could be wrong, but is there a chance you feel kind of sad today? Now, it's important to always put that first clause in there that you could be wrong because you may read all the data incredibly poorly. But sometimes we don't know the emotions that we're feeling because sometimes they're that strong that we don't even observe ourselves. And so every so often you may find yourself in a place where you can see the emotions that someone else is feeling and you may need to say it for them. Hey, 
I'm going to go out on a limb, but you look kind of lonely today. Am, am I wrong? Or maybe you could go the other way too. Hey, I could be wrong, but you, you seem like you're in a really great mood today. Can you tell me why? There are so many instances where it is helpful for us to try to put someone else's emotions to words. Now, sometimes other people may not be ready to be told, hey, are you, are you sad today? Sometimes you have to wait that moment out and just feel it. But that's why it's important to put that clause in there because you may identify someone else's emotions wrongly. But you know what? One of the best things to help you do that is to learn how to identify emotions for yourself. To learn how to sit there in a moment and take 10 steps back from yourself, observe yourself and say, yeah, I think I am lonely right now. Or yeah, I am pretty angry. I can't say why, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of frustrated right now with someone else. Now, in the midst of all of this, let's say someone has got tons of distorted information. Everyone hates me. No one likes me. And you can hear from their tone that their words and their vocabulary all are telling you that they are angry. Or maybe they're incredibly frustrated at the tension of some conflict that they have at home or at work. And it's really important in that moment to avoid doing three things. Sometimes we like to minimize, that's the first one, other people's problems. Okay, great, you had a flat tire, but other people in the world have got much harder lives. Well, that's, that's minimizing someone else's problems. And sometimes that feels like it's helpful, But that really ruined that person's day, having a flat tire, and their experiences need to be respected. Yes, maybe in the grand scheme of things, other people are going through much harder life experiences. But for now, they're in a hard spot, and their experience needs to be recognized. And then when they're a good place, you can help them to recognize, hey, Remember yesterday when your flat tire really threw you off? Well, now that you're in a better mood, let's let's talk about that because you're stronger than that, you know. The second thing not to do is to rush someone. To try to, in the midst of someone else telling the negative parts of their day, to, to kind of encourage them to speed up as if you are just bored or as if you have somewhere else more important to be. Whenever someone tells you their story, you should always view that as a gift. It is always an enormous privilege to hear someone's story, especially if they're going through a hard time. Now, you may need to put boundaries on your time and say, hey, I have 10 minutes, but I'd like to spend these next 10 minutes listening to how your flat tire yesterday 
rocked you. <laughs> but the third and final thing to avoid doing is to upstage. So the first was don't minimize, second, don't rush, but also third, try not to upstage someone. Let's say uh, someone's talking about their flat tire and then you start talking about how one day you had two flat tires in the same day. It's, it's kind of like minimalizing their problems, but you've kind of just hijacked the moment to being about you. And that's not an example of how to listen well to other people. If they freely brought up that they had a flat tire yesterday, it does not help them for you to talk about how you had a harder time in life. Because in some sense, that's actually rather selfish. You're actually caring more about your ego and because you want to hijack the moment and talk about you. So be careful of minimalizing and rushing and upstaging other people. But all that kind of goes back to this one thought that's incredibly important whenever you're listening to someone. And again, I'm not saying I do this all perfectly or well every time, but you as the listener need to learn to be more comfortable with other people's uncomfortableness than they are. So let me try that again, because that was a, a long sentence. You have to be more okay with their bad day than they are with their bad day. Sometimes we go through minimalizing or rushing or upstaging other people because we ourselves are uncomfortable with their discomfort. In which case, let's say you're having a conversation and someone starts divulging incredibly sad or or heart-wrenching things it is okay to say you know what can we talk about this a little bit later on today but you have to give a time frame because some people can delay talking about important things by saying let's can we do this later can we do this later can we do this later but you as the active listener need to set emotional boundaries so that you are not being burned out But when people are going through a hard day, they don't need to be around someone that will add to the avalanche of their bad day. In fact, sometimes being an active listener is kind of like digging a trench in the snow for the avalanche to fall into so that it can stop building momentum. Sometimes people get uh, stuck in the inertia of their own negativity. And so how can you as a person dig a trench for that avalanche to fall into so it doesn't continue? And everything I've said thus far is, well, actually everything so far are ways of of digging trenches to catch the avalanche before it gets too large to pay attention to their free, distorted, or deleted information, 
to pay attention to the themes and the stories that they bring up to try to recognize other people's emotions for them if they are stuck in them. Now, all of this might seem clinical or more having to do with counseling or these are all tricks that therapists use, but I'm going to anchor this all back to something very simple. And it's that in the Bible, there are the two greatest commandments according to Jesus, where he says the first commandment is this, to love God. And the second is this, to love your neighbor as yourself. This whole episode thus far are really just practical tips about how to love your neighbor as yourself. It's fascinating to me that in some certain um, spheres, we are encouraged to love one another, but very rarely are we given the tools or the tips or some, you know, little tricks of the trade about how to do that well. Well, this episode is designed, or I wrote out some of these notes, just to try to help you to do that, to love the people around you a little better. So next time you're having a conversation, you have a chat every time that you sit at Starbucks with your buddy, if you're sitting in the drive-thru at McDonald's, if you're sitting over a lunch break or sitting in a car ride with someone else for the next two hours, stop and take a moment and try to be purposeful about strategically listening to other people. Now, this might seem uh, not deceptive. This might seem contrived or too methodical. But there's nothing that says that being methodical or strategic about loving your neighbor is the wrong way to love your neighbor. Sometimes we need to be around people that know how to listen well. And if that commandment is true, to love your neighbor as yourself, you can also use all of these tricks on yourself. Pay attention to the stories that you freely seem to bring up the most often to other people. Pay attention to every time that you say everyone or no one, everything, nothing, everywhere, Pay attention to when you list all your family members by name except for one. Pay attention to the themes in movies that make you cry. And ask yourself, why does this movie hit me so hard? Because then you can find out a lot about yourself. And I already mentioned this before, but it's really a healthy thing to learn how to identify your own emotions for you. In some sense, because the better you can identify them in yourself, the better you can identify them in other people. And of course, we all have the tendency to minimize, rush, or even upstage ourselves. 
And that doesn't necessarily help. So this whole episode, this whole podcast is just designed (laughs) uh, to try to help you to love other people better. And you know what? Once you learn how to listen to other people well, you can kind of start to get a feel for what they need. And when you get a feel for what they need, you can get people in better contact with other people that can really help them. Sometimes better than you. Somebody's complaining about how their window isn't opening or closing very well in their car. Well, you may not be able to fix that, but if you were paying attention, you know that it ruined their day yesterday. That their window was down and they got rained on all day while driving around town. But you might be able to put them in contact with somebody who could fix that. So, take what you want from this episode. I would encourage you to share it with people that you know who could really benefit um, from learning some of these tips. Especially for those of us who have friends or family members, or co-workers that are going through a hard time. Because all of these tips help them, but you know what? Uh, There's really nothing better in the world than when people, even 1%, can love one another 1% better than they did yesterday. So let me say that. May you, the listener, take this call upon yourself quite seriously to love your neighbor as yourself. May you learn to be an active listener who methodically and strategically uh, cares deeply for those around you. All right. Now that's beautiful. Let's finish with that. Grace and peace, my beloved. We'll see you next time.